Welcome to the Dog Pod. We've got BT, Law Dog, and Mitch here in our respective home fronts. Gentlemen, let's talk about sort of spring football. Uh, how are you guys? I'm great, BT. I'm in the attic. Um, you know, it's great to see your ugly mugs, and uh, hopefully we'll be out breathing fresh air sometime soon. Haven't left the house in six weeks. That's right. Yeah, the dog pod's doing well here. We're doing our part, social distancing. Got the kids, got a cat walking over the keyboard a couple minutes ago. You know, it's the new normal around here. At least it's not a Washington State Cougar, though. No, yeah, keep those out of the house, please, for, for, mm-hmm. for the good of the cause. Well, look, every, everybody's got Husky football on their minds, and obviously um, tons of stuff to talk about, um, some big picture things, and then um, you know what's going to happen with Husky football and a lot of things that are still moving on. But let's get into this thing. Let's talk about it. So spring football, spring football, March 12th, in the middle of what was the Pac-12 tournament where the Huskies, one thing I will say about Husky basketball, hey, they went out on their own terms. You know, <laughs> Thank don't, goodness. Yeah, don't, Gosh. Don't, don't, don't let a virus take you out. You go out on your own terms the way you came in. So, so they lose. And next thing you know, Pac-12 basketball, the, the tournament's been canceled. They're talking about moving fans. The tournament's been canceled. All spring sports are canceled at that point, or they're put on hold and then later on canceled, which includes spring football. Now, a couple of interesting things I want to talk about with spring football. Obviously, the Huskies don't even start, so the Huskies don't have spring football. But a few things, a little interesting note. Arizona State and Arizona, um, they had they were supposed to have their spring games on March 28th and April 4th. They do hold some practices. So, like, ASU started on February 21st, uh, 4th. They got seven practices in. Arizona and Utah, they started March 2nd. They had four uh, practices apiece. So, it'll be kind of interesting of, like, you know, if the, if people come back and you say, okay, well, we didn't have spring practice, but we've got these summer practices. Are you subtracting that out? Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But, you know, we were supposed to have Pro Day March 31st. We were supposed to have the spring game, April 25th. Obvious, none of that happens. And, and, and look, you can kind of judge the value of spring football. Some people think it's critically important. Some people don't. But I think there was a ton of interest with Husky football of what was going to happen. First spring practices with Jimmy Lake. We didn't get to see it. A legit quarterback competition that we haven't had for quite some time. Jacob Sermon, like Demo, Dylan Morris. Was it going to be Ethan Garbers? Like what, that would have been amazing to see the O line, man. All those guys that we lost. Think about Adams, Harris, Hilbers, Roberts. All that gone. And the questions about is that line going to start gelling? It's people wanted to see what that looked like. Um, you know, in, think about the linebackers. All of that stuff as well. Of like such an issue for us last year was Edifuan Olfichio. Everyone wanted to see him. How is, is Was that just a single a couple of games where he looked like he was a breakout star? What about Jackson Sermon, MJ Tafisi? Were those guys going to show up? Ty Jones, was he going to play in spring practice? What about his injuries? Puka Nakua, newcomers. Think about Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, all these guys we didn't get to see. And then the John Don offense, our first glimpse of what that would have maybe started to see, like at least how is he running practices? Um Savelle Smalls, we could have seen. All this stuff, I think, that's just killing us as Husky football fans that, look, we did not get to see in spring practice. The only other note I'll say on that is, um, having listened to interviews um, with Coach Lake, it sounds like there is this obvious, like, no contact, um, meaning cannot have the, can't even see the players or have, or, or have in-person meetings, but that they're even, they're giving them Weightlifting you can do in the house that's all recommended, but per guidelines, you can't really even throw watches on them or force anyone to do any weightlifting. So I think it's kind of difficult from that from that perspective. But guys, what do you think about spring football, man? The spring football that did not happen. 
Well, yeah, and I think this kind of comes back to your recruiting and the types of guys you recruited, right? Because those guys, if they're going to take their own initiative and do the lifting and do all that stuff as extracurricular, that's kind of all they can do. And that's why you recruited them so that they would be, um, you know, they would have some initiative and, and, and that's kind of those kind of qualities, those character qualities that we talk about, you know, are really coming in handy in a time like this. I also can't help but think Chris Peterson would have loved something like this because just because of how secretive he could have been right but now everything's on lockdown nobody knows anything nobody comes and watches you practice or or play and then we go into the fall like oh we changed the entire offense and everything and nobody even knew right um but jimmy lake you know now it's kind of like this would have been a trial period for him to like get his feet wet as a coach and you know he's gonna be stepping on the field against michigan we hope having never been the head football coach of this team. I mean, you know, I, I think it's a, it's a little bit unusual. These are the times we're living in, obviously. But uh, definitely, definitely wish we could have seen these guys play in the spring, like you're saying. Yeah, it, you know, there's so many unknowns that are going on right now, right? And so many things going around. I thought I saw something in the, the John Donovan uh, um uh, article in Seattle Times about how they're getting recordings out to players and stuff that they can still stay up on. But to Tuttle's point, um, it's one of those things where, you know, you're hoping you're recruiting the right guys that have the right kind of drive, that want to get better, that are doing things on their own, that they're advancing themselves. And, you know, I, I just have one thing to say about the Arizona schools NCAA violations. All right. <laughs> this is ridiculous that they get to get ahead and take advantage of this situation. All right. No, but all, all joking aside, you know, there's so many bigger things going on in society today. You hope that, you know what, that this team can stay together in different ways and they can hopefully find some way to build some bonds because they're going to need that. They're going to need to stick together with what comes with this next year. This is unprecedented on how little time they're going to have together to actually gel and i'm sure we're going to get into whether what the impacts of next season are going to be right so very interesting i think you're going to see some very unnatural things happen next year which is you think about some of the things that you just think you know in college football right um ohio state's going to beat everyone in the big 10 uh clemson is going to be the only relevant program in the acc vandy never beats anybody the sec west is dominant of the sec east that normally the pac-12 north is going to be the winner except for usc who will come in like all these kind of things that you see every year long time you know rivalries that that have gone the way of one or the other these things are going to shake up because some programs are not going to be able to handle this they won't prepare they'll totally fall apart and others are going to take advantage of it Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I think it's going to be quite, it's going to be quite interesting to see. I think we have to get into that next question though, is everyone wants to know is will football happen in the fall and what form is it going to take? BT, I know the answer. Ooh. Oh, wait, exclusive. no, never mind. I don't know. Exclusive. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, this is, this is something that's on everybody's mind, right? I mean, I got the, I got this. Uh, text from my sister tonight like is there going to be football this fall i mean we don't know one one possibility though is that they could um you know dramatically scale back the uh out of conference and kind of push those games into the fall if they need to delay the season so i think that's one possibility that i think bt you were circulating 
uh, is the possibility of just dumping some right. of those conference games. But you know what? Th- those games are a huge part of budgets for these teams. So there's economic impacts with every game that is canceled. So I don't think that if, if to the extent the Huskies have power over scheduling their games or not, I do not think they will cancel them unless they absolutely have to. Um, uh, so, you know, I, we don't know what it could look like, but I think we need to be prepared for the fact that it might look a little bit different. Uh, I actually am taking a different tack here. I I am really seriously considering 50-50 that there will not be a season at all next year for a couple reasons. One, um, they made it really clear, Larry Scott and uh, the SEC commissioner, I can't remember his name, was on with... Um, um, down in the San Jose Mercury News, um, and they were talking about how one, they're they're following the university's decisions on this, on whether there will be school or not mm-hmm. next year, right? So student athletes will not be going to school if it's remote, you know that kind of thing. The athletics mm-hmm. are not going to happen, right? And so you've got a bunch of dependencies on even if there will be the ability for student athletes to go in and actually work out, use facilities, do all that kind of stuff. The other thing that I read recently that was super interesting was an article in the New York times a couple of days ago, which they were saying, what is the new normal for sports? Right. What does it look like? Right. And their argument was you are probably not going to see full stadiums until there's a vaccine for COVID-19. Oh, for sure. Right. And so one, that means that is likely 12 to 18 months out. Let's get realistic. I read an article too about how the quickest vaccine that they had created before, and now granted, this is this is unprecedented, this is different, was for Ebola. And I think it took something like five years or something like that. Now, they, yeah, it, they could probably well, accelerate this sucker, right? Because considering the entire world is focused on this problem right now. Um, but let's say a vaccine is you know, eight months out, which would be a miracle, right? Six months out, which would be pretty incredible. You're still past our, you know, kickoff, right? Um, And so I don't know if they're going to be able to even pull off the other angle, which is can you perform games with empty stands? And the amount of staff and people involved with a football game is still really, really large. You're talking about what, 85 players on each sideline, right? Then all of the folks that will televise it, then announcers, they they made an analysis, it's up around 300 and something people. And so it's still incredibly hard to say, can you actually really social distance and do that, um, you know, in a safe way. And so uh, guys, like, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of skeptical that we're going to have a 2020 football season, honestly. Mitch, I hate to say it. I mean, if you're a betting man, I'd put the odds at less than 50. I hate to say this. And and my thoughts are this. I think college will be treated differently than pros. And how do you say it's unsafe for you 60,000 people to sit next to each other, but you unpaid 18, 19 year old kids? Can you guys go wrestle face to face? (laughs) I mean, this is you, you, you just can't. The options that are on the table, you outlined one that they've talked about, which is you cancel the non-conference games or some, or maybe a few of the conference games and shrink the season down. Part of that might be, you'd say, well, look, you didn't get enough practices in. It's unfortunate. You move the entire season to winter or spring. 
you know, that's one of the other options or, or, you know, canceling it or playing in front of empty stadiums. And I think you could, you'll see that in the NBA and other sports that are professional and basketball is a different scenario. Um, I think you're right. I believe it's going to take basically eradicating this virus, having a full vaccine or getting down to where you're in, in, you know, you're in dozens of cases in a state uh, before we push it forward. I hate to say that because I just can't even fathom the thought of which we'll get into. Does the Michigan game happen? Wither the dog pod BT. I mean, with, with no football <laughs> to talk about, I mean, Oh, it, it's, it kills me to think about that, not only from, you know, obviously it's a passion area of ours, but we, you know, like many people, it's a family event. It's a time with friends that you've had for your lifetime that you see six times a year at those football games. Um, it will absolutely eviscerate Olympic sports at college. So uh, it, can I jump in here? Did, Usually the law dog is not the optimist in the group. So I, I want to make a strong. Yeah, this is not, this is not good. Yeah. This is not good. <laughs> but, but personally, I think, you know, you're starting to see the, the kind of beginnings of some revolt happening. You take people's football away, BT. That's right. <laughs> There's going to be sports <laughs> in the street. So I, I personally think culturally, the country just needs this. They need football to come back, right? So I I look at the NFL draft tonight. We're all watching the stupid NFL draft on from via, you know, Microsoft Teams, you know, and there's there's nothing to talk about, you know? And we're dying for action. So I I, I for me, I think we're we're gonna see something. I can't we're, tell you exactly what it's gonna look like. And we're saying that up in here in Seattle. Like, look, you can't even keep people in Jacksonville off the beaches. Take away their gator football. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what do you think? You're right. Um, the enormity I think of it is not only from obviously what it would do from uh, you know, from a budget perspective and how much it would just absolutely eviscerate Olympic sports, which football covers covers the entire athletic department. Um, not having the Michigan game, which we have not had a good non-conference home game for a long long time and this one's been on the calendar not only for husky fans bringing back the old rivalries from uh, the 90s from early 2000s but i hate to say it there is a very very large michigan alumni population uh who has in seattle who's had this on their calendar for quite some time and there's even the thought of with us talking about going to ann arbor in 2021 well that's a home and home and if they don't get one side of that, do we get the other side of that? Like how interesting that's going to be. Um, I hate the idea of it. You guys know you've seen the drafts of, you know, we, we've we been putting together a, a, a T-shirt for sale for charity at that event of of the the, the great Mario Bailey, um, you know, and his Heisman pose in the Rose Bowl. Like we've had that thing on the calendar for a while. And, and, and yes, to answer the question, the Michigan game is in jeopardy. Not, the season oh. is, but the Michigan game in particular is in significant jeopardy. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and then then you've got the train wreck of, well, what do you do? Right. Like, do you just write off a couple of games and then those home and home agreements? What happens there? Um, And then also there there's bigger implications here, too, which is if for some reason, worst case scenario, if this season is canceled, what happens to the student athletes? Like, what if you're a senior and you're out of redshirt years? What if you're a high school senior trying to get into a program? Like, there's this huge logjam now that gets created. And, you know, it, it's just such a mess. 
of how do you handle this unprecedented situation? Like it's 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 absolutely mind boggling of you know the decisions that they're going to have to make and these checks and balances. And I think you know they're going to weigh on behalf of the schools and say if they open up campuses, then there's a fighting shot. And then here's one more here's one more crazy scenario that I'll toss out. What happens if there's a hot spot in a certain region, right? I know. And they yeah. say no games, right? No, I'm sorry, we can't have games, right? And so what happens if one school can't have a series of games and other schools can, right? What if they shut down California, right? The California governor was saying, hey, you know what? I don't care what the NFL says. We're not holding NFL games in my state if we're not under control with everything that's going on. So there is so many crazy variables that are at stake here. And what if one conference says, I'll play games, and the other conference says, no, we're not going to play games. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like... These crazy mind-boggling experiences where there may be parts of the country where you can hold athletics in a certain right. in a safe way, but then other areas where you can't, right? So, mm-hmm. wow, I, this is going to be a roller coaster. Um, and you know, I think you gotta you gotta ultimately land in the place that you hope that the that the decisions that are being made are in the best interests of um, the student athletes to make sure that they're not being put at risk. And the general public, because um, even in Seattle, as liberal as we were, when this first pandemic stuff was really starting to pick up, they still had a Sounders game with yeah, a whole right. bunch of folks packed into a bunch of stands. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the the passion runs deep here. So I I, I don't know, guys, this is going to be a wild ride over the next, you know, six months, I would say. That's right. That's right. Yep. hundred percent. Hundred percent. Now, Law Dog being the optimist, this is this is just scary for the population. It really. <laughs> is. I I did not expect to hear that, but you know what? I mean, what would surprise anybody at this point? I mean, could, would it be possible to surprise the three of us right now? Just I mean, no. you know, we're locked in our houses, and everyone across the entire world is doing the same thing. I mean, this is it. This is unprecedented. It's nuts. You're right. I mean, the only thing that gives me hope is that the, you know, all of the world's scientists, the smartest people in the world are all working on this. And boy, this is the time to step up and figure this thing out. Please Um, save college football, Dr. Fauci. I know you can do it. That's that's right. He does have other things on his mind. (laughs) I'm personally glad about that. But yes, also save football. Also save football. It's all right. Well, let's look. I think let's keep proceeding, hoping that uh, that they find some way to figure out. But um, we did have some football news today, man. First round of the NFL draft. Round one complete in the books. And I don't know if you guys the only thing I'd say about this before we talk about the Huskies is, you know, if you think about reputation from the Pac-12, three Pac-12 players selected in round one. Now, three Pac-12 players. So you obviously have. You know, Herbert goes to the Chargers, um, six, which I thought, you know, uh, pretty interesting. So he's the third quarterback taken off the board. Um, One thing I thought was really interesting, Austin Jackson, right? So USC, decent. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that one, I thought people, Brandon Ayuk, a year ago, I would not have thought Brandon Ayuk was going to be a first rounder. So nice work of him getting himself paid. But three, so three from the Pac-12 in the first round. Yeah, not the Pac-12's finest hour, honestly. No. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what the conference breakdown is. I mean, the the thing just wrapped up as we're starting taping here. So, um, 
but I mean, you know, you definitely notice a lot of Clemson, a lot of Ohio State, a lot of SEC. I mean, you know, this is another sign that the the Pac-12 isn't just it's not just lip service. It's not just a it's not just a theory, right? The Pac-12 is slipping behind these rival conferences, and the NFL draft is a is a pretty good measure of that. And it's disappointing, and and I'm disappointed that you know the Huskies, after having what ten players in the last three. Uh, NFL drafts chosen the top two rounds, you know, didn't have one chosen tonight. And it kind of also says something about the program this year. And, you know, maybe that there was a little bit of a step back talent wise uh, in, in 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see what happens in the next couple of rounds. I think it's going to be real telling. Um, yeah, it could be a stretch. Like, you know, uh, where does Eason actually get drafted? You know, is it second? Is it third? Is it fourth round? Right. Um, there's a lot of variability there. And, you know, the, if we tie it back specifically to our program, you know, um, the one that I'm really holding my breath is about is Trey Adams. You know, I, I, I hope he doesn't fall. Like there's a bunch of draft nicks that have him way down in like the sixth round, something like that. Man, the guy comes back for his senior year. Um you know, had a lot of injury injuries, fought through it, didn't have the greatest combine. Um, so, you know, you kind of hope that the, the dogs can hang in there and get drafted in some of those middle rounds, but you're right. I think there is a big step back in the, in, in the, what, for whatever reason, the talent that was coming out into the draft this year, you know, you've got, um, you know, obviously we talked about Eason, um, Trey Adams, we'll see where Hunter Bryant goes, you know, that's probably the other best, you know, hope for a top ranked or top, sorry, top drafted Husky, right. From a talent perspective. Um, and then, uh, you know, Savon, um, and, um, you know, Aaron Fuller apparently had a really good combine. So we'll see if he can maybe move his stock up a little bit, but it could be a really tough draft for the dogs and the PAC 12 in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you guys think about this? I think, I mean, we have, obviously we feel confident that Eason's going to get selected, though. It's interesting because at some point you might have had him as a first round or even a top half of the first round at some, at some point in his career. And as he struggled this year, along with the Huskies, and people are talking, I've seen him as high as early uh, tomorrow. And I, I've also seen, mm -hmm. I, I heard I heard one on one podcast saying he probably goes undrafted, which is absurd. Uh, but but I, I do think he'll slip a bit. What do you think of the rest of the guys? I mean, you've got Saban Ahmed out there. Um you know, Hunter Bryant will go, but, you know, Miles Bryant, what do you think of the rest of them? Well, I mean, I think the challenge is like uh, for Savon, you know, not a lot of running backs went in the first round today. Right. Yeah, and so he's, down. yeah, you know, he's fighting a, a, you know, a pool of a bunch of other guys. Um, you know, Miles Bryant, that's a good point. Um, you know, very talented cornerback. That's always coveted. I think his, he's probably in a little bit better position, I think, in my mind than Savon. Um, but uh, I think hopefully the Huskies will get a lot of them will get picked up in these mid rounds. Um, but in general, to, to Alex's point, I think the there's a lot of pressure on the Pac-12 and the stigma that it has on it. And I think it could be deflating the grades of a lot of these guys in general. Right. Mm -hmm. That could very well be. I mean, Ahmed is a guy who we know he has the athletic ability, right? He ran away from the USC defense this year and left them all in the dust. But you look back to the previous, you know, half dozen Husky running backs, and I wouldn't say that he is, you know, at in the top half of that list. He's just not as complete of a player. Um, 
and so I, I think he's kind of maybe looking at more of a niche type role in the NFL, like a third down back returner type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but, but to, to, I, I think miles Bryant, that's a guy I really want to succeed. I really want to see him do well. I mean, he's a kid who, who, what, at one point walked on, walked on the yep. ski program and then worked mm-hmm. his into you know all conference player and he's a really good tackler he's got really good um just instincts and he's got a lot of skills that will really translate to the nfl but they don't necessarily his skill set doesn't necessarily transfer in an nfl draft combine situation and and he may not be a guy who goes um you know on the first two days of this thing but uh, i think he will have an nfl career and you know with with adam's you know, he's a guy who was a poor daddy. He gave you everything he had. He gave this program everything he could have. And and I'd like to see him do well. And with his frame and with his work ethic and all that, I think he will have a, a good NFL career. He's just not, you know, he's not a sexy uh, pick at, uh, for a left tackle. He'll 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 find somebody's somebody's roster though. It could be. I think you have probably seven Huskies we're talking about who will probably all make at some point make a roster as a you know, um, as an undrafted signee, um, could be as few as three, in my opinion, that actually get drafted. Um, the number's probably closer to four or five. I think Hunter Bryant, um, Trey Adams and, uh, you know, and Eason would be your quote unquote three locks, uh, fuller, maybe bubble Bryant, I think really should be, um, uh, for sure. And then, you know, Nick Harris as well. Like, where does Nick Harris? He probably, you know, is a, yeah. a preferred sign on, but and a Hilbers. serviceable center. Hilbers as well. Hilbers oh, is probably yeah. the number seven, uh, you know, who might go on that board. But we'll see. It could The number could end up being a four or five. But um, we haven't had those big name defensive guys that we have in the last couple of years in the first round. You know, but per your point, though, the draft is really just mimicking what's happening in the rest of uh, college football. A lot of Ohio State. And not too much else from the Big Ten. One from Michigan, one from Iowa, bunch of Ohio State. Same thing with the ACC. A lot of Clemson, one right. Louisville, not much else. A lot of SEC, you know. And then there are with the Pac-12 with three guys coming in. So I think it's kind of interesting from that, uh, you know, from that perspective. But we'll see how things shake out in the next couple of days. Uh, guys, should we talk recruiting before we talk about the rest of the Pac-12? Yeah, let's do it. Let's I do mean, it. T, there's not a lot to not a lot of recruiting going out there on the trail, is there? BT, Phil, there's there, there is not a ton. Well, I mean, it's happening if you you know if you listen to some of the interviews, like they're all doing it by you know they're having Zoom conversations and things like that. But um, you know, it's it's not like it, it. It obviously is in a normal year. Let's talk about the 2021 class. So just four hard commits, um, and I think like you said, just really hard to get a gauge of where we are at this point. Um, Sam Heward. All world number one pro style three overall. I just did you guys have you guys heard the interview that um, that he did on Dogman this week? But it, it was like it was like Dame, it was like he tapped Damon Heward to do the interview for him. <laughs> like he, he talks like a ten year seasoned you know NFL veteran adult. This guy is so I mean just it's just unreal listening to this this kid talk. I mean Husky Nation has to be so excited about him. Um, so, uh, Zachary Spears, three-star cornerback out of Loyola, LA, six foot two, 180 pounds, super fast. Um, uh, Kawhi Peohopa out of Kamehameha, defensive tackle, six, three, 300 pounds, big, big kid. And I'm just so glad to keep that, um, the, the Polynesian Hawaii pipeline open. That's great. 
just today we get um, Caleb Jumper, six foot three, two hundred forty-five pound tight end who actually plays quarterback at Eatonville High School. So a good local kid who you know think about. I think it's pretty exciting. Maybe you put him in some wildcat situations. Look at his tape, big, lumbering, huge. You know, again. 245 pound kid who's playing quarterback. Love the idea of a quarterback who's, who's, who's playing tight end and his ability to kind of see the field. Um, the only other thing I'd say, so those are the guys that we signed and I don't want to spend too much time this early on, on the class, but the big news is the headline. This is a transcendent in-state class, right? I mean, the ability to get, just, let's, just, let's just talk through them. Emeka um, Agbuka. I mean, this wide receiver out of Stillicombe, five-star number one in the nation, absolutely incredible. Um, no one, most of the crystal ball projections are having him not go to the Huskies, but we're in the mix. Um, and of course, JT Tumalau, defensive end, number one player in the country, um, Eastside Catholic, unreal transformational player. Reminds me of like what Chase Young is able to do and was drafted second overall today in Ohio State, what he could be, again, most people are saying probably not going to end up a Husky, but we're in the mix for those guys. And, you know, Sam Heward um, and Savelle Smalls are out there talking public about trying to get him to stay home. The second yeah. tier, the second tier after those two, and sorry, you'd put, you'd put, um, you put Sam Heward in that tier of those top three. The next tier is legit too. Uh, Owen Prentice, 300 pound guard out of O'Day, four star. Julian Simon, four star athlete out of Lincoln. Um, Will Latu is a cornerback athlete out of Spanaway, another four star. Um, Unreal. Uh, Jare Williams, four-star outside linebacker out of Kennedy, and Junior Alexander, four-star receiver out of Kennedy. Again, crystal ball saying we probably are only tops on about one of those, so we've got a lot of work to do. But I think the highlight, I don't want to go through this early in everyone that we're looking at, but we haven't seen an in-state class like this in quite some time. And I don't think we have to get all of them in order to compete for, you know, Pac-12 titles and big bowl games. But I think we need to get some of them. We have to keep a couple of these kids home. Well, defense is huge. I mean, it's, it's critical, you know, that we, that we keep all, that we keep as many of these guys as we can get. Right. And, and you talked about JTT. I mean, that's the guy who I think we've all got circled on here as one of those top guys on the West coast that in the last maybe handful of years have been drifting to the Clemson's of the world, the Ohio States, elsewhere. I mean, it, not only keeping him in the Pac-12 for the sake of the conference, but to get him, um, you know, that would be huge for Jimmy Lake. And, and I think Lake is, he knows what the challenge in front of him is. He's got nothing else to do except, you know, work on recruiting right now. So, uh, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I think we're going to get his best effort on it. And yeah, keeping as many of these guys home as we can is absolutely crucial. It's crucial to the success of the Washington football program that you have when you have a bumper crop in state that you keep as many of those guys home because, you know, that is your recruiting pipeline. Yeah, you know, Wilner is a big fan of this, right? And he talks about it a lot on why this is a real issue for the Pac-12 that you cannot lose this type of talent, right, to mm -hmm. other conferences. And gosh, talk about being primed in a couple of different ways, right? Yes, I get the challenges, but look, you got a guy like Sam Heward, who is, and, and Savelle Smalls, who are huge in from a recruiting perspective, right? From a peer perspective to say, hey, come on, guys, we're starting something here. Like, we want you to be a part of it, right? And as much as I hate to see Chris Peterson leave the program, because I think he was a transformational coach, I think he mm -hmm. really helped us take a step forward. The energy was down in the program, 
like, let's be real, right? Like it was down. And so you got Jimmy Lake coming in, who's a high energy kind of guy, you know, this is your time to strike, man. Like leverage those talents, get after it a little bit and, you know, really focus on, on locking some of these guys down. And my hope on how this could play out is if they can get one or two of them, you know, and start getting a little mm-hmm. bit of momentum and see if that can kind of pick up a little bit. What I'm really worried about is they lose a couple of these guys to other big programs like a Clemson, like an Alabama, like an Ohio State. And then that turns into somewhat of a snowball. So, you know, I, I think best case scenario, what could happen here is they get one of these guys to say, you know what, I'm in on the Washington program. And then that picks up some steam and then some magic happens. So that's really kind of what I'm crossing my fingers oh, yeah. for um, and, and seeing if that, if that happens. And then, you know, the flip side of this is, you know, to, to Law Dog's point, this is so important, but you can't forget about your all your other you know, prospects that are out there. And so how do you spend your time? Mm-hmm. You know, it's such a, you know, catch 22 of like, you're trying to focus on all of these guys, but at the same time, you're still recruiting the heck out of California and a lot of the Texas other regions now. and territory, mm-hmm. Texas. Now you're trying to expand your footprint. So man, th- these guys really have their work cut out for them. And um, let's see, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. And again, in this time of uncertainty of whether there's an even season next year, like there's so many variables at play. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they can get these guys locked in and get a couple of these recruits and, and get some momentum going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you hate to say that, but like, what is the effect of this where you kind of start seeing like, boy, maybe I, it kind of is nice to be home you know, with all this stuff, this craziness that's happening, or maybe there's not high school football in the fall. Do I just want to stick around at home? You know, this could, could have other effects of this, but it is, I, I can't remember a time when we have seen so many in-state five and four star kids. I don't, I don't know if there has been since, since we've been keeping like modern statistics and rankings, uh, what this, what, what this year is. So this is known as the, maybe the best year ever in Washington. And there's other good yeah. prospects behind these guys too. I mean, we're seeing kind of a bumper crop of, of, of talent in the state and it's just even more crucial. Jimmy Lake. I mean, he's got his work cut out for him. He's got to keep as many of them home as he can. Yeah, yep. it sure does. Yeah, it's going to be wild to see. We'll see how this thing plays out. Should we talk about the rest of the Pac-12? All right. All right, let's talk about it. Um, should we get into, so a couple of new coaching hires. Uh, you know, look, at the end of the day, you're, you're right. This is going to be a tough first year for Jimmy Lake, but there's a couple of other new hires. Should we get it? Well, who are they? Let's talk about them. Well, you've got Carl Durrell, right, who's coming into Colorado in a pretty tough situation after uh, Mel Tucker. So that's going to be a really interesting thing to see. Um, you know, he's been around UCLA for a long time. Um, and so, you know, that's a seasoned coach that has got a lot of experience, can, you know, recruit California. It's going to be, uh, I, I, you know, it's probably what Colorado needs to settle that program down a little bit. Like that shock of how that exit went was it, it felt pretty raw, real, really. So I, I kind of like that hire. Um, and Darrell had some success. If I'm not mistaken, was that one of those early years when they made the one of the early Pac-12 championships? Was that under Darrell, or was that before that? I don't think he made a Pac-12 championship. He, I mean, he he had one pretty good season at UCLA, but he was also pretty well known for beating USC. Right. Right. And and kind of 
extending his uh, his tenure as coach. Yeah, <laughs> because of that. Yeah, I don't know. I think this is kind of a weird hire. It it reminds me. It frankly has a lot of parallels to the U Dubs uh, hire of, jo- of John Donovan. I think, frankly, like you kind of have a guy who's kind of slipped into the anonymous ranks of NFL assistant coaching, and then you're kind of bringing him back out to be, you know, a, a, a figurehead for your program. And and I think really this is just you know, and this has been written about that we're not breaking any ground here, but just the the disparity in the resources that are available to Colorado versus Michigan state, they were able to come in and double Mel Tucker's salary and, you know, let him have a pool of assistance that is big 10 caliber and big 10 quality and kind of left Colorado holding the bag there and unable to kind of go after a top tier coach. And to me, it feels like they settled on Durrell He's always been pretty well reviewed and whatnot, but at UCLA, the recruiting was a lot easier than it's going to be in Colorado. So, I think that's a big one, big question mark hanging out there. I, I, I kind and of couldn't you couldn't you make the Pete Carroll argument there though too? I mean, granted, Pete Carroll was a head coach, right? So that could be a little bit different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think they needed stabilization after that. They got shocked, right, on oh, the geez. way that that went down. Um, but to your point. Law Dog, that was a disparity deal where, you know, the Big Ten could come in and poach a Pac-12 coach because they saw an opportunity and they could say, hey, yeah, to your point, I could double your salary. Come on, man. Let's hop over here. Yep, totally. Yeah, Yeah, it's tough. The only thing I would say on that, I I, I think it was a real, real kick and kick in the stomach, uh, to Colorado nation. And I know like, you know, our buddies at the free ball podcast had a real tough time with it and are very frustrated, particularly after like Mel Tucker making some statements that he was going to stay and then had to leave. And it did feel like they were kind of settling. And maybe because most of your UCLA alums don't have uh, net fond memories, um, of Carl Durrell. Um, I don't know if they were going to do much better. I would say that the other hire, though, I mean, I don't want to t- spend too much time on this podcast talking about the Cougs, but I do think Rolovich, um, I think the Cougs did about as good as they could have. I don't think they were going to get anyone better um, than, than Rolovich. So, you know, I, and, I, and I, maybe I, could be a good I, fit there. I think that it was a really smart move by Pat Chun to go from a guy like Mike Leach, the air raid, right, to go to a pass-heavy um, guy in Rolovich from Hawaii's run and run and shoot – it's less of a a transition for your program. I think the it worst is. you can do yeah. if if your wazoo in that situation is go, oh well, we're going to go, you know. Now all of a sudden, we're going to change our identity when we change coaches. It's like you have a full roster of eighty five kids who are not built to do that. So, you know, I I think that was a smart move, and I, you know, for them, I hope it pays off. Again, we don't, yeah, we don't want to give them too much credit, but. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree with BT. This was probably about in the neighborhood of as good as they could have done, especially considering the resource issue. Mm-hmm. And and also, like, don't, don't you think the Kook fans were starting to get a little tired of the, the leech stick? Like, it was starting to see, starting to wear a little thin out there, I if think. If you had right? Apple Cups, Mitch, they might. Right. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, he was talk, and you're not even going to win an apple cup once. And and then he obs he, uh, you know, immediately puts himself right in the hot seat in his new gig. Right? It's absolutely amazing. Oh, that guy can't just get out of his own way. Sometimes it's so you know entertaining on the other side to watch. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that is uh, that's classic Leach, man. Picked up right where he left off. Well, I mean, I think between the three new coaches, uh, I think it's fair to say they've got their challenges in this new environment. But I bet um, maybe some of them who come in without any preconceived notions of how it can be done can really excel in this environment. So we're going to see how it shakes out. Um, never a dull moment in the Pac-12 broadcasting networks and our ability to actually watch games. Ladakh, you want to talk to us about uh, Apple TV and what's what's happening in the Pac-12? So, yeah, there was a really interesting article that came out that kind of got me thinking and got us talking about this week um, about uh, basically the Pac-12 having some negotiations with Apple TV as a as a conduit, as a broadcast partner for their Tier 1 rights and their Tier 1 games. And I, this has been kind of I just watching the reaction on Twitter and – I just have a little bit of a different reaction. I, I definitely, I think if you ask most people when you go out uh, in your daily lives, do you subscribe to Apple TV or, or a you know cable company, right? You're not going to have a lot of people saying, oh yeah, Apple TV, I don't have cable, right? That's, that's kind of a minority niche thing. But I think, you know, Larry Scott gets a ton of blame for, uh, for introducing these, kind of novel ideas and, and issues into the PAC 12 lexicon, but I actually think it's a fairly smart move to be doing some negotiating uh, with an online only broadcast partner, because I, I think we can all see the trend. It may be early in the going, but the trend is certainly more and more and more people are cord cutting or getting off of cable. Cable viewership is declining slowly. It's still got hundreds uh, over a hundred million uh, people or households in the United States still subscribe to a cable broadcaster. But, but I think, you know, these over the top services, especially in a time like this, that we're all quarantining at home, um, you know, these, these over the top broadcasters, like for example, Netflix sling, you know, um, HBO's coming out with their new service, Apple TV, all of that. I think it makes sense for the PAC 12 to have some kind of a presence on, um, those types of channels. What I, you know, what I, I think we all kind of bristled at the idea that, whoa, you're talking about giving the tier one rights to Apple TV, basically saying Apple gets to pick the game of the week. Crazy. Yeah, that's enough. Yeah. And, and I think that that's a, that's a big step. Um, but I do also just want to make the point and look, I'm not here to defend Larry Scott. I don't think any of us would really defend him. Um, if we saw, if we saw him getting the crap beaten out of him on the side of the street, I doubt any one of us would stop and pull over. <laughs> but, um, but I do think he, he does, he does not working with the same tools and the same advantages that they are yeah. in the big 10 and the sec. You just don't have the same footprint of fans on the West coast. You just don't have the same fervor. Um, you know, if Michigan were to say, we're going to put all our games on Apple TV, there would be a lot of Michiganders who would sign up for it and be like, well, this is how I got to watch Michigan football, you know? So I think that there, he's dealing with a different set of circumstances. He's trying to look forward in the future. And by in the last TV contract, which he's been criticized very heavily for, he took all those rights and said, we're going to hold on to them ourselves. Nobody is going to you know, be able to push us around and tell us where to put our games. To, in doing so, he's allowing himself to build to to with an eye to the future, and streaming is the future. And so, I, I think we're going to see more types of these things. I don't know that the fan base is ready for it at this point. 
Yeah, the question is, 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 is it time to your point, right? Like, is there enough critical mass that a lot of people can cut the cord and that this will pay out, play out? Or is this like a Silicon Valley? Yeah, it makes sense because everybody in San Jose has a, you know, Netflix and Disney Plus subscription, right? And everybody's doing that. Whereas, guess what? You're losing coverage in all of these other regions across the U.S. And I think that's the challenge that we have is we're not just talking about the West Coast. We're talking about national audience here. And that's what we have to reach. And that's what we have to change. And that is the hole that we're in because of the current, you know, arrangement that we have. And so you're not building a national audience on Apple TV. Bingo. And I think yeah. that that is the challenge that he has is he's put himself behind the eight ball. And so if for if he wasn't in the position that he was now, then I would be with you, Law Dog, and it, like I would be more willing to lean forward. But like we've kind of already dug ourselves a hole where. If you ask a 16-year-old, actually, more importantly, if you ask a 14-year-old in Baton Rouge, right, who are all the Pac-12 teams that are out there, I'll bet you 90% couldn't name all of them. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they'd be like, who? Buffaloes? Are you remembering the the specific (laughs) conversations we had in Baton Rouge? Because I remember them very clearly being just like that. And I, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to solve it. I, you know, that's the challenge. Uh, I don't know if there, there's probably not an easy answer and also considering the changing landscape, but the fact that they've missed out on some of these opportunities and they've held on to the rights and they've been refusing to budge on the whole Olympic sports thing is really put them in a, in a hole where they just, they got to, I, I would like to see some new infusion to say, we're going to focus on getting every single football and basketball game out there as broad as we can. And then we're going to be innovative on this other stuff. That to me would be a, a welcome step forward. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I hope I didn't come across as claiming to know, but uh, I, <laughs> I, I look at, I look at, um, I look at this landscape and I think, you know, somebody is going to be a first mover and get a first mm-hmm. mover advantage into the streaming space. Uh, somebody, yeah. You know, and, and you look at it in, in the sports context, major league baseball, despite all of their fuddy duddy problems and, uh, and old fans and all that, they were the first ones into the streaming space and they created MLB advanced media that now does the apps for HBO and they're, they've branched out into all kinds of broadcasting areas mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they got to the space first and they said, we're streaming to crappy laptops across the world so that you can watch the Dodgers and the Padres or whatever you want to watch. Um, and we created a way for you to do that. And we got there first and we made this great product. And I, I don't think anyone who does MLB TV you know, disagrees that it's a great product and they do a great job. Somebody in football is going to do that too. And I think Larry Scott wants to be that guy. The question is if he does it and sells the soul of the conference as he did with the last contract. And then four years later, the sec and big 10 contracts are up and they say, Oh yeah, we want to start doing that too. And we're going to make triple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, what was the point of it? So you have to be strategic in these things. And that's where I think we look at Larry Scott and go, 
what is the strategy? Because it just seems like you're kind of throwing darts and seeing what sticks. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be interesting to see what he does, man. Um, you know, it, boy, and he, I mean, he would have to pull off something pretty incredible to win his way back into the hearts of most Pac-12 fans. Um, you know, I, uh, one more point on that BT, like, um, it will be interesting to me to see here the winds of what the winds of change from the presidents and the athletic directors, because they have become way more influential over the past couple of years critical, and way more critical. The tides have shifted. Yeah. The Mm -hmm. tide has shifted there. And what I want to hear from them is, is he, is Larry Scott getting outright votes of confidence from those audiences and if it continues the way that it does where you have not really heard a lot of ad's going all out and saying we have complete confidence in the in the commissioner that has not been said for a while right and so if that doesn't change i think we can expect some change at the top yeah 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 i think that's right well that will get its own uh dog pod if they if they boot Larry Scott, that we will lead the dog pod with the firing of Larry Scott. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's an hour episode in of itself. Oh yeah. Um, anything else in the pack tool we want to touch on, guys? Hey, just, just listen. Hope that we get back. I, I know. Mean, come on, I'm just dying, right? <laughs> I hope I'm wrong on this one. I really hope it is. I had big plans. Obviously, like you know, Mitch and I were going to host the tailgate for that game. Um, I mean, this is one of those get out there at 4 a.m. Um, Michigan's in town. Get up for it. New coach. Boy, I hope that happens. Um, it'll be a great day. And, and, you know, again, we've got the greatest scientists in the world on it. Let's hope I hope it happens. But um, play or not play Husky football fans, guys. Woof, woof. Go dogs. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Washington State University. Oregon and Stanford. Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep. Is Arizona State a football team? Nope. Touchdown, Washington. Yep.